campers and welcome to the Camp of Cult. I'm your host Summer Rose and today we have with us it's Tyler. Yes you get a two-for-one deal today. It's a dynamic duo coming at you with uh, a very um, different different pace. A very different pace. Now if you've been following us you've no- you've kind of noticed like a trend. Um, October we had a lot of Halloween movies um, and now going into November we really want to start kind of getting into holiday territory because as you know holiday films are very campy and i i would consider them cult yeah i would consider way, them cult yes. okay so all right we've discussed a lot of uh, spooky creatures and nightmare fuel and since we are like i said entering the holiday season i would like to start off with this really wholesome uh holiday rom-com about a rivalry between two bitter dare i say grumpy old men whose petty practical jokes turn into an all-out war uh, for the hand of the saucy new neighbor. This fun little film came out in 1993 on Christmas Day and was a smash hit, despite the fact that its cast is, uh, well, uh, I guess like a a delicate way of like saying... um, Fucking geriatric. Geriatric (laughs) comedy stars. Uh, So we have Jack Lemmon, Walter Matthew, and Anne Margaret. Uh, Burgess Meredith, Dana, ha- Daryl Hannah, sorry, Dana Hannah. <laughs> old, old Dana Hannah. Dana Hannah. And then uh, Kevin Pollock, which I love. We love our short king, Kevin mm-hmm. Pollock. Um, but yeah, so it, you know, it came out, uh, I think the budget was $30 million, and then it made $70 million, which, mm-hmm. like we mentioned before recording, it's weird to think that people would go to a movie on Christmas Day. Yeah, no, the Christmas release is interesting. Also, I feel like holiday movies, especially a movie like this, which is like, kind of a holiday movie and not really a holiday movie. It's like it's set around Christmas. It plays a small part, but also it's like it represents the holiday feeling more. It's like a very lighthearted mm-hmm. kind of film. I see, but they don't really expect to make that much money in theaters. At least me. I never like am waiting around around Christmas time to like go to the theater to see a movie. Right. But uh they do like they do pervade our lives mm-hmm. very easily. And again, it's a comfort film. This yeah. is a, it's 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 a comfort film. Yeah, I really what I, I really enjoyed this film because um so like okay, so the first time I watched this movie, I was turned off by the whole premise. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like do I love Walter Matthau? Do I love Jack Lemmon? Yes, but mm-hmm. I grew up with uh with boomer parents. And so we always had like uh those actors or like their films playing, so it was just always just something that was like, oh okay. Mm-hmm. And when I think holiday movies, I think Christmas Vacation, mm-hmm. I think Elf, I think A Christmas Story. I would have never uh, really watched this film, but every list, like if you go to AF, it's been recognized by AFI as one of the funniest films in American, mm-hmm. like ever made uh, mm-hmm. in like American history. Um, it's been on some cult uh, film lists that I've gone through. It's been on a uh, holiday list. It's been just, it's always been recommended to me and then sitting down and watching it and it was great. It was uh I, I wouldn't really say anything too crazy happens in mm-hmm. it, but the timing is really good. And just like the idea that you can relate to like 80 year old men from a totally different era in mm-hmm. a different time. Um, it definitely has like a golden girls effect. Yeah. No, I, with this film, I, I read one review and I was like, Oh yeah, that actually makes uh, entirely too much sense. And that this movie, there's nothing really special about this movie, but, the pure chemistry between Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau is undeniable. 
and it's what like makes it's what elevates the film. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I want to see these two on screen together because they just work so well off each other. Mm-hmm. And also, this is one of my favorite opening character lines of all time, which is "Good morning, dickhead" from yeah. Walter Matthau's <laughs> character. And, morning, dickhead. <laughs> yeah, and I was just immediately like, oh, I'm gonna like this movie. I I just feel it because yeah, it just it it's not really concerned with any big like overarching ideal it's you have two people you have two neighbors who were seemingly good friends in the past who hate each other and they are we get the 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 event that sort of sets off the film is the new neighbor moving in who mm-hmm. also turns out to be a very attractive Anne yes. Margaret. Ooh, uh, and saucy little Anne Margaret. Yeah. Ho-ho. So um, I guess like a good way to kind of break this down for our mm-hmm. viewers is that it's set in Wabasha, mm-hmm. Wabasa, Wabasha, Minnesota. Uh, and it's uh, these two retirees that have been feuding next door neighbors since they were pretty much 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it's established later on the film that they've known each other since they were 10 years old. They're like, I think they're supposed to be like in their late 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure they were closer like to their 80s whenever they filmed this. Maybe. Or maybe, maybe. I think they might be. Also, it is weird to because I have no idea how to guess people's ages. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, it could be like 90. I, I, might, I might have Googled like their birth dates. And mm-hmm. like, I know that Anne Margaret was 54, but she's supposed yeah. to play 45. Yeah. And I'm like. Mm. Which I mean, hey, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was so much fun in this. So yeah. um, they just spend like their time ice fishing and playing practical jokes on each other. Mm-hmm. Um. Which is great. And then, of course, uh, things start heating up. Um, our main character, John, which is Jack Lemmon's character, mm-hmm. he's getting hounded by the IRS and will literally jump out of his window to avoid uh, <laughs> getting his house repossessed. It's quite impressive. Because at first you're kind of, like, confused originally. You're mm-hmm. like, why is this old man, like, crawling out of his upstairs window and risking death? And then it's revealed, like, oh, it's the IRS. It's the IRS. No, yeah. I love it whenever he wakes up from, like, the middle of the night mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, they've come for me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is it's both, like, entirely accurate and also just foolish. But, yeah, it, it helps to elevate the character. A fate, so a fate worse than death. A knock an on audit. the door. <laughs> an, an audit, audit from the IRS. That's but... my favorite Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's actually a good one, but, uh, but yeah. And so, which is really great because we have a scene, um, at the beginning where John is trying to avoid getting a letter from the IRS mm-hmm. and he, they go to Max, which is Walter Matthau's character. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, I'm looking for a John Gustafs- Gustafson. Yeah. And he's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I see him. I see him, uh, always around them kinky little strip yeah. bars. As John is standing <laughs> right next to him. Like he can't defend himself <laughs> yeah. and he's oh, just roasting him. It's pretty good. But he also doesn't, he doesn't give him up, which is like, a, it's a, it's a little telling moment. Cause even though we establish that these characters don't like each other, Max is like willing to even, he's like, I'm not going to sell him out, which yeah. comes back later in the film. But yeah, it's, they, I like the relationship they have built because mm-hmm. immediately, this is the issue with a lot of movies, I think. And this is a fairly short movie. It's like an hour, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. But it delves into getting, like, to understand the characters very easily. We understand mm-hmm. that uh, Max is, like, the more the prankster type. Mm-hmm. He's more, like, goofy, kind of childish. John is way more neurotic mm-hmm. and, like, kind of isolating. Uh, and then when we see uh, they both have children. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max's son Jacob is very straight laced, almost like the parent. To yes, his dad. and he's always just yeah, and, and he's father. the one who's like 
who's running for mayor, and mm-hmm. he's like the very like straight laced one compared to his dad, who's very childish and and kind of gamey. Uh, yeah, and, and we even with uh, Ariel and Margaret's character comes in immediately we understand that she's like kind of free spirited we'd spend no mm-hmm. time on like exposition for characters we just mm-hmm. they tune in so quickly as the okay who this character is not wasting any time on it and i love efficient filmmaking like that yes to it's, the point. it's to the point and mm-hmm. even like throughout like the film we see like um because we have daryl we have melanie mm-hmm. which is daryl hannah's character she plays john john's daughter she comes mm-hmm. over with her daughter we know that she's having marital problems mm-hmm. and john immediately takes offense like gets defensive because mm-hmm. he feels like it's mem- marrying his own divorce yeah. which mm-hmm. we find out later is one of the reasons why he's getting audited mm-hmm. um and so while his uh while he's selling his possessions these mm-hmm. like yeah. cherished memories she's mm-hmm. like oh you love that piano why are you getting yeah. rid of it oh it's just a hunk of junk mm-hmm. so he's c- trying to cover up and hide yeah. from his own family what's mm-hmm. going on because he doesn't want to admit there's a problem mm-hmm. and um and so then you have like of course like the back and forth between him and Max and like they're both like they're both retired mm-hmm. they're both widowers um and they're both kind of like seemingly having like very similar like situations in life yeah and they're just completely. going at it and they're always mm-hmm. finding like a way like um Ariel gets introduced and they're like oh well she's like a little she's hot to trot but she's like a little you know yeah kooky, kooky Californian yeah. I mean she Rides her snowmobile at like four in the morning, so she is a little kooky. She like she's like in, in one scene she's like in a sauna, and then she runs out mm-hmm. in like a one piece uh, bathing suit, looking great mm-hmm. for fifty four, and just rolls around in the snow mm-hmm. and just going woo woo, and then like like shaking her, you know, being mm-hmm. Anne Margaret, shaking yeah. her red hair around, and just being all fun and frisky, and then runs back into the sauna. Mm-hmm. This is great. Like yeah. she's very much established as like a free spirit and artist. Mm-hmm. Very much a manic pixie dream girl. Yes. I will say the only... Kind of a stalker. The only... Okay, listen. Kind of a stalker. Kind of a criminal. <laughs> like, breaking and entering is not okay just because you're hot. Yeah. So <laughs> she she breaks into John's house one night um, and tells him, yeah, I've been reading your mail. And he goes, isn't that illegal? She goes, yeah, but it's fun. And then she, like, has, like, this, like, whole, um, I guess you would say, not monologue, but, like, this whole... Uh, it's a little bit of a diatribe. Yeah, yeah, a little she, bit of like, a diatribe. Psychoanalyzes him based on, on his... his bathroom. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "There's a guest bathroom." She goes, "No, I want to use your bathroom. I want to know everything about you." And then comes down, and he's like, "What the hell?" <laughs> she goes, "Your aura spoke to my aura," mm-hmm. and I'm like, "This bitch is crazy." But he's, I mean, I, I guess we all secretly want a redheaded gilf to come in and make us dinner at 4 a.m. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it is. It is a. It is a, a dream of mine. It's on my dream board, uh, and Margaret, any age, uh, any, of any legal age. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's funny too. It's like I do like stories like this, but because every character in this movie is very much like blue collar mm-hmm. Minnesotan. We have uh, we get the history of them. We get, we get a little bit of backstory, which helps. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Jack, who was like a high school teacher, high school mm-hmm. history teacher. We have uh, Max, who was a TV repairman, mm-hmm. like very blue collar jobs, very uh, the antithesis to mm-hmm. Anne Margaret's character, who's like a traveling like professor who also just like, well, I, I did art for a while and now I'm back into classic. <laughs> Whenever literature. she like turns her TV into a uh, like a, a fish f- tank, uh, yeah, a fish tank, and Walter's like, your TV's got no guts, I can fix it for you, <laughs> yeah. and he's he's that. so suave yeah. about it. He's like, 
Would you do me the honor of accompanying me to my fish shack? Like there's <laughs> every every old man in this movie that we focus on is so smooth. Chuck the uh, the bait shop guy, yeah, is like kind of this like he's he's kind of like the mystic of the movie. Yeah, like he shares the wisdom and then he's like you two are the biggest bullshitters. If yeah. I had a and if I had a beautiful woman by herself all mm-hmm. alone, twenty feet away from me. I'm going to go knock on our door with some flowers. Yeah. And guess what he does? And guess where he spends Thanksgiving he dinner? He spends Thanksgiving dinner with her. That's yeah. right. Which then also leads to a hilarious uh, uh, exchange between the three of them. But yeah, then, but we, we also have, we only have Chuck for a very short amount of time, mm-hmm. which I think it plays an important role in this movie because Chuck dies a few days mm-hmm. after uh, uh, seeing Ariel that night mm-hmm. and then explained to them like, oh, it changed my life. It reminded me of who I am, like of the man I used to be. Mm-hmm. And... That sets off this like moment, this like feeling in Jack and Max, mm-hmm. of or John and Max, Jack Lemon, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the Jays. But it sets off this feeling in the, our two main characters, like okay, well maybe I will try this. Maybe I will try something because it's it's kind of established that they've been either widowed or divorced for at least mm-hmm. like fifteen years apiece. Uh, and we do see like outside of their children seeing them a little bit, and also we do have a very sad moment of at one point. Uh, uh, Jacob, Max's son, comes over to like drop off a yard sign, and his dad is like, "Oh, come in, have a beer. Like, come in, have some like watching TV. Do something with me." And it's mm-hmm. like he's, like, "I gotta go. I'm busy." It's like it's just a sad moment. Of like, oh yeah, these these people have nobody left yeah. besides themselves and their like fishing community. So mm-hmm. they a lot of their time is spent like at the bar, at the bait shop, mm-hmm. and then when they lose that like. Only the, the seemingly only like nice friend they have. Technically, they're each other's friends. They're very like vitriolic, mm-hmm. very like at each other's throats constantly. But with Chuck, it's more of like a playfulness to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also, oh sorry, I'm no, you're sure. good. Oh, oh uh, it also like one thing I kind of noticed is that they mention like their friends passing away a lot throughout yeah. their conversations, mm-hmm. like. Earlier in the film, they talk about how one of their friends, you know, died on impact in a car crash. Yeah, in a car crash. And they're like, oh, lucky. How's he doing? He's dead, you moron. Yeah. Um, Not him. (laughs) Not not him. And um, whenever Chuck passes away in his sleep, you Mm -hmm. know, it's like, oh, wow, lucky son of a bitch. Mm -hmm. And so it has like this moment of like, you know, as you get older, one of the thing, one of the saddest moments Mm -hmm. as, as you get older and as you become more vulnerable in mm. your age and you're worried about your own mortality, you're seeing the people that you love pass away mm-hmm. around you. And so then it becomes even more lonely and even more isolating. And mm. I feel like that kind of fuels their insecurity, which they've always, you know, mm-hmm. took took out on each other. Yeah. And I think going into that as well of and plays into the exact like nature of this film, which is the idea of and it's even stated by uh, by Anne Margaret's character, Ariel, at one point where she says, like, like you're gonna regret the risks you don't take, and like both these characters, pretty much everyone in this town. This, this goes for like small town Americana slash mm-hmm. like just like complacency and like people who just like settle, mm-hmm. but uh, also especially like old age where it's like, especially in American society, I feel we have this idea of oh like once you retire, mm-hmm. your life's pretty much over. You've like worked mm-hmm. all this time, you're gonna retire, and then you just you do what these guys do. You sit around, you pick up. Whatever hobby it is in your area, whether it be uh, the old man hobby of uh, golf or mm-hmm. I go fishing or whatever. And it's like, I, I like fishing too, but it's like, I can't. If I did that every day, I'd, I'd stick my head under the fucking ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this idea of, okay, well, and it's talked about with the bring up the death so much, especially mm-hmm. if they're close friends. And almost in like a kind of like jealous way almost mm-hmm. where it is this sort of like 
instead of it being this continued life experience of gaining experiences and feelings and joy and experience, instead it's like this like slow decline towards death. Yeah. And it's like, oh, please. Which is kind of funny because his dad, played by Burgess Meredith, is like almost the opposite of Jack Lemmon's character. Oh, my He's like gosh, 94. Hilarious. He had the best lines and of the whole movie. And is perpetually just shouting out one-liners, talking about having sex, and I've, and actively engaging in one of his like several vices, whether it be drinking like super early in the morning, uh, smoking cigarettes, or like flirting with like Every any woman. any woman he can get a hold of, and it is like it's a it's, he is living his this the life he has to the fullest, which is like mm-hmm. eventually passed on to his son, which is funny. It's like his son's in his seventies, yeah, and he's and like he's ninety four. He's like yeah, the first eighty years. Yeah. Or, like, yeah, the first 90 years go by so fast, mm-hmm. and then you realize, oh, you're not 81 anymore. Yeah. And you just count the minutes. Yeah. And, um, and like, his one, like, little one-liners, like, it's colder than a witch's tit. So or good. just finished breakfast, and he's chugging whiskey. The one-liners, mount her. <laughs> like, it's, you, it's like, every... you got a woman, you got a woman next door, did you mount her? No. Does she have big thighs? No. Then what's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, he's, it's, he's one of the horniest characters I've ever seen in the history of of film and Oh my gosh, whenever Chuck is going up to uh to Ariel's to Ariel's house and he's like looks like Chuck's bringing old one eye to the optometrist. <laughs> and then like the bloopers, he's just like he's like looks like he's taking the skin boat to Tuna Town. Yeah. Like just I disgusting. think my favorite was looks like you're going to go bury the boner. <laughs> it's like because at the end of the movie they do tie in like bloopers automatically, which is a rarity nowadays, but it's still for this oh, movie like it. this is I perfect. I think it's so charming. It, it was super charming and well done. But yeah, this movie it it's just even in like the moments of like really intense sort of uh like emotional mm-hmm. dumping or like emotional like overwhelmingness, it's still very charming. Yeah, and um, I wanted to kind of talk about the practical jokes, or like really like the the fun like little comedic bits in the film. Yeah, these are they're like kids. They're like children. Yeah. These are these are grown men acting mm-hmm. like children as much as they want to act, you know, holier than thou, yeah. or like you know, like a little bit more mature than the mm-hmm. other. Um, I have a note of uh, of John throwing a fish in uh, Walter Matthau's yeah. car. <laughs> um, Let's see, spraying the roof, like the snow on the roof so that yeah, will fall on yeah. them whenever they open up the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the fact that um, John is like, he's sitting down with his little TV dinner mm-hmm. and he is, uh, try, you know, putting on the TV to do like mm-hmm. the lottery with his lottery yeah. numbers. And then across the street- he needs right, the money to pay off the IRS. To pay off the IRS. And so then like, um, we have Max next door and he's watching him through the window and he can see that he's doing with the lottery numbers mm-hmm. because Max knows that John has having issues with yeah. the IRS. He knows why John is looking at the lottery mm-hmm. thing. So he wants to piss John off. Mm-hmm. So he has a timer set. You know, his son, he's trying to get his son to come in mm-hmm. and help him like this like little prank. So he's got this timer set. He's also eating a TV dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, huh, they got yeah, a lot they're, in common. They're very much mirrors of each other. And uh, the timer goes off and he grabs a remote control and starts flipping channels mm-hmm. um, because he somehow... TV repairman again yeah. ties into that somehow is able to hijack uh, John's TV and mm-hmm. just fuck with him and just fucks with him. <laughs> and uh, Kevin Pollock is over here like, "Hey, Dad, like, what are you doing?" Yeah, and like, like you just on. see him like uh, Walter Matthau like punch up his fist like a little kid like, I- "I'm not doing anything wrong." It's like, "Dad, you go over there and you apologize." Yeah. And then sure enough, opens up the window and John's there spraying him with like yeah. the water hose mm-hmm. and it's 
It's like I love that little bitty moment because you can see where they're similar and when they're like acting oh, they're like children. Similar. Like you get like their characters just wrapped up into one. Mm-hmm. And then as uh Jacob is leaving, John's like, Jacob, this is between me and your father and he's like trying to <laughs> yeah, soak, the, the, uh, soak the soak the, the snow on the yeah. roof. And it's just, it's so much fun because they have nothing to do. It does feel like almost like they have kept this animosity going because again, they outside of a few things, it really they never really escalate too far. There comes to a point of escalation where it's like, okay, this is like gone past like playfulness and into like an odd territory, which I'm kind of glad the film doesn't stay at too far. But it is this weird thing where they. Uh, yeah, they're just like bored. Yeah. It's like literally all they do they're is They're bored, sad, yeah. miserable men yeah. and they're going to take it out on each other. Yeah, they don't have a significant other. They don't really have any other friends besides like Chuck the bait shop guy. At least that we see in the film. Uh they have each other, they're next door neighbors. They're constantly fucking with each other. Uh Yeah, and like their the, kids the, aren't there. The, the pharmacy scene right there where they're going yeah. back and forth on who's in more pain like, "Oh, that, my sciatica is yeah. worse than your Oh, my shingles. I was I was in here. And what was the part? He, <laughs> it's uh, like it's like I once had he goes, "Let me tell you about my uh, ulcers." I yeah. was farting razor blades. <laughs> <laughs> there was a what was the the moment he said uh he says something and he's like, "Those are for pussies." In the middle yeah. of the pharmacy. It's just such a and, yeah. Sweet, odd little moment. Oh, when they're sitting the, the one-upmanship of at is the, so good. At the bait shop, and they're like, "Women and fish are the only two things you can't catch." And it's like I've laid more pipe in this town than the uh, what's it called, Wasasaba? Yeah, yeah, like the plumbing, the, yeah, plumbing the, department, the plumbing company. It's, plumbing oh, company, it's yeah. so good. It's and so then, good. And then Walter Matthews like, women get obsessed with me. And like fatal attraction. They're like fatal attraction things that you see on the Donahue show. It's so good. They, okay, and this comes to, and this is shown in the bloopers where it does feel like a significant chunk of this film is sort of left up to just the comedic improv, improvisation of the two leads, which again, they've been doing this since like the 40s, 50s. Yeah. So it's like they're well established. This is like their sixth film that they've done together. Yeah, they've done. I think they did The Odd Couple. Yeah, they've done, a, they've done, a, I think they did six total. I think this was like the midpoint. For the films, but yeah, yeah, they had done several films together. It's like they know I saw, they've I worked saw a with each other. That said, this is not their best film together, but it's still really good. I'm like, if this is not their best film together, yeah. I would love to see like what you know, like something that's in their prime. Yeah. I think they did the Sunshine that Boys sounds familiar, or something like, or something that. like that. But like, it go, it just it, and that in and of itself talks to the the incredible nature that these two comedic actors have mm-hmm. i've also seen them in drama roles both very good i love that crossover where almost any great comedic actor can pull off drama mm-hmm. it's just it, almost like an understood but they're just so good at it because there is a significant drama in this film as well mm-hmm. that plays off very well yeah and leads to like some very sad moments in the movie but yeah they're they're it, some people just have great chemistry together mm-hmm. and this is a great example of it again like i said to me the script is not overwhelmingly impressive mm-hmm but the nature of the performance and the chemistry of them is what really like sets well, it Well, there's above. just something like really like genuine and very human mm-hmm. about this yeah. because I feel like, you know, like a lot of holiday movies, I know with uh, whenever we talked about Krampus, um, we talked about how like there was like a lot of like, oh, you know, materialism getting away with the true meaning of Christmas. Yeah. Um, you know, Christmas story is like about like a young kid's experiencing mm-hmm. the holiday. Yeah. Um 
Elf is, you know, very fun and very childlike. So mm-hmm. when we think of Christmas movies, we think very much childlike wonder or yeah. we think materialism mm-hmm. and uh, we think, um, you know, like coming together as like a family. Yeah. It's always told it's, from like a younger yeah. perspective. Like, and this also is, it yeah. has that idea of like coming from that like materialism back into like the meaning of like care and mm-hmm. compassion and like the loving nature of and joy. And there's always like a coming of age element to Christmas Normally, movies. Yeah. However, At least one or two characters. However, I feel like this also has a coming-of-age moment. Yeah. Because coming-of-age, I feel like when we think, again, coming-of-age, we think childhood. Yeah. But we don't re- really think of, like, adulthood or senior, you know, going, you know, yeah. becoming seniors. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, a coming-of-age because now they're having to accept who they are. They're having to accept the fact that, oh, this is a friend of mine. Yeah. Because we haven't gotten toward, like, the ending of the film or, like, mm-hmm. the real meat of the, the story yeah. yet. But. You know, toward the end, it's like, oh, yeah, no, we, we've been fighting all these years. But yeah. we're you know fighting because I love you. Like, I love it's, you. Yeah, like, sort of deal. It's, it's a romantic comedy, it. but it's a yeah. bromance. Yeah. It is mm-hmm. like brevity. Like, uh, we have like a really good moment of brevity because, mm-hmm. you know, so we have um, Ariel. Ariel and John start developing a relationship. Yes. And the whole time Max is trying to like, you know, woo her. There's mm-hmm. even like a fun like little sequence of of like I'm too sexy or yeah, it's like him in like of the bathtub mm-hmm. and it's just like this like old man I don't want to say gross but like old man you know mm-hmm. fixing his hair dyeing yeah. his hair getting all mm-hmm. shaved dressing all suave mm-hmm. you know trying to woo her it's very sweet bring yeah. her flowers yeah, like it's, old it's, school gym- it's gentlemen nice. and um, she ends up choosing John mm-hmm. and poor John <laughs> she you know like keeps breaking into his house and making mm-hmm. him dinner and asking all these questions, and then one night she uh, asked to stay the night, mm-hmm. and they do the horizontal mambo. Oh yeah! And he's like, "So I know this day and age, they say that we're supposed to practice safe sex." Mm-hmm. John, when was the last time you made love? October fourth, nineteen seventy-eight. I think we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, such a such a good line. Such a good. Line. Um, and then of course we get to like this very dramatic thing. So we always so they're. We have, like, a lot of cutaways to them going ice fishing, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, they all have, like, their own shack. That yeah, everyone has like, their own shack over their own little, like, Like, little ice, ice hole. hole yeah. You know, you have uh, John. He likes listening to his records. Mm-hmm. He's got a big comfy chair with a blanket. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have uh, you have Walter, or I'm sorry, Max, and Max has his, like, little duck fish, like, rod and reel. Yeah, that and he's, he's got his, like, TV, like, his poorly TV, playing like, staticky yeah, like hockey staticky yeah. playing like looking at hockey mm-hmm. drinking beer he uh, there's like a scene where he has like beers like on a fishing line he's dipping yeah, into the he's, ice he's hole. keeping them cold in the ice that killed me oh it's so good and um and uh he uh he notices so earlier in the film he loses his fishing rod mm-hmm. and then john finds it or john's yeah. dad finds and it and then gives it to him he's like ah because he doesn't know yeah. it's his. and then he gets yeah. so mad he breaks it mm-hmm. but then he decides okay well i just got laid i'm having i'm feeling good i'm gonna repair his fishing rod and give it back, back to him. him yeah max did not take it that way because max knows because Max saw Ariel mm-hmm. walking out of the house, and he tried to give her flowers, mm-hmm. only to realize, oh, she just got stuffed <laughs> by my rival, and I'm trying to bring her flowers. And we have this sweet moment where, like, this old man is like, "I, I, I brought you flowers. Mm-hmm. I, I, these yeah. flowers are for you. Yeah, they're for you. They're for you." And it's like, oh, but he's like, "That son of a bitch." <laughs> yeah. And do you want to uh, take the it film from there? Takes a fucking turn. <laughs> yeah, we go. It's like again, and John is very happy. We open up. Before he like decides to fix the rod, opens up. We have like new music playing, and he's like dancing around his kitchen, like making it. Like, he's a new man. Like life has been mm-hmm. breathed back into him. 
And then we go to them ice fishing. And again, he's like dancing around. Like we see, we hear like we're in Max's uh, uh, ice fishing ice fishing shack, and we have him just like very like distraught almost. Like he's he's sad about it. And we hear like the knock on the door. He comes outside, sees John dancing around the camp, and he looks and sees his fishing rod. And at least for me, I thought, oh, this is gonna be like a nice little moment where he's gonna like it's a moment of like brevity. He's gonna, oh, he's gonna, maybe they'll like. Uh, It'll be like a small, like, rekindling of a friendship. Boy, was I wrong, because we cut to John, and all of a sudden we hear, like, his record skip. Mm-hmm. We have, like, the same, like, cut sequence where he's, like, he puts his record on, he gets his uh, his line into the into the hole, and he's kind of, like, relaxing on his, like, little chair. And all of a sudden we hear, like, a bang. And then he looks down, and you see, like, the hole move. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, oh, my God. <laughs> Someone's pushing yeah. his and shack. And he it looks out the door, and Max is in his truck, like, shoving his shack, like, through the camp onto the thin ice section. And Jack jumps out as the, the ice breaks. breaks and, and his, his whole shack yeah. sinks. And then they just get into a fist fight right yeah. then and there on the ice. Like, these two geriatric old men getting into a fist fight. And then <laughs> I think John gets, like, one good, like... Yeah, hook, yeah, hook right to the, to the you know, yeah, right to the right to the. It's like, kisser. oh, you broke my nose. I didn't yeah. break your nose, you yeah. dumbass. And then yeah. they start arguing, and we find out this is not the first time a woman has become the tw- between the two of them. We have the reveal of, uh, according to Max, John stole away his high school sweetheart mm-hmm. and married her, and then John has the perfect comeback of. She was terrible. Like she, I was she, married she, to her twenty years. You I had know. the better woman. Yeah, you had Amy was a good one. He goes, I know, and he's like, What are you mad about? He's like, what? Like, what? What? And they're and like they both going back, back and, forth. and forth. Like, what? I don't know. What? Like, yeah. What? What do you mean? And I don't know. Finally, we have the. Did you? And he's like, What? Max? Did you? And John's like, What are you talking about? Did you? You know what I'm talking about? And he goes, Ah, it's a private matter. And then Max goes, No, it's not. Tell me, my foot is a private matter. And then. John has the reveal. Go ahead, hit the line. He's like, "Fine, we did it. We did the horizontal mamba. It was the best sex of my life." And it's just like, it's so good. And then you know, John takes that to heart, and he ends up breaking up with Ariel because he realizes how much he hurt. Yeah, and also Max, Max then delivers before he decides to break up with her. Max delivers, "Well, you're not going to have anything for her once the IRS takes your house." And then we see like his heart shatter, and mm-hmm. then that's when. We uh, when he we have I think it's just, it's the next cut I think is mm-hmm. she's already in his house as he comes back and they're like she was like oh you're trying to skip out on like date night with me and he kind of blows up on her and she blows up back at him I don't have the exact quote but pretty much she blows up on him and she pretty much states you're going to regret the risks you don't take in life mm-hmm. and also he's like he's an elderly man and it's like how many more risks do you have to take but yeah. it is this idea of like. He's like, no, I like to be alone. And it's like, we've clearly established that you don't, but he's he's doing it from a seemingly place of uh, of caring and not wanting her to like not have anything. Which also is funny because she has way more money than both of these men. Mm-hmm. But it is that like classical thinking, like classical like blue collar Americana thinking of like, oh, I'm the man, I'm gonna care for the woman. Right. And it's like, dude, she's an English professor. She has a snowmobile and built a sauna. Mm-hmm. And she's driving a Jeep compared to the old pickup and old ass like sedan. Okay, so I found out what car. That is a 1968 Dodge Polara. I don't know how the fuck you can drive that through the snow because he drives that thing through the freaking snow like on un... Um, 
what is it, unshoveled or unlike? Yeah, like un, uh, it's it's just like it's not solid ice yeah. packed snow. And mm-hmm. I'm over here like whenever I was driving my like little Honda Civic in Santa Fe, which has way less snowfall mm-hmm. than Minnesota, which I'm pretty sure most places have way less snowfall. <laughs> yeah. In Minnesota, and I could barely drive that thing on hard ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they but don't, he's getting around. They don't make them like dog. they used to. Like they really don't make them. I'm like, I'm over here, and it's like the pictures I have of the of the Polara or Polara look great, but this it was a old clunker. Yeah, and that he was just getting it up those hills. I do love too how we do establish. So much of the character through the mise en scene in this movie of mm-hmm. like what we see in the frame. Mm-hmm. Again, both guys drive. I, I both love their houses so much. Mm-hmm. They do contain this like weird era of like, oh, these are like 70s, 80s houses that have been mm-hmm. lived in for a long time. And also the uh, their cars are both old and like very representative of the characters. Like to me, John's car looks neurotic, sort of like him. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. And it's like it's also like kind of like nice, like classic, like looking, you yeah. know, build. Whereas uh, Max's car looks like I want to say it's a Ram Charger. Looks like a. Yeah, he has like a pickup. But it's like a, yeah, yeah, but it's like again, it's it's like it's like yeah, and these would be also it goes back to their career too. Like obviously the TV or repairman would need a pickup truck, mm-hmm. and then the uh, the teacher would probably drive a more sensible like family car. Right. And it's just it's so good. But yeah, like. We get into that moment of uh, of after the blow up, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, these characters are really hurt. And then we get a passage of time. I think we go from uh, Thanksgiving to we're Christmas. nearing Christmas, mm-hmm. and we've established that like Max is sort of still courting Ariel, although mm-hmm. they haven't really. It seems like they're still like kind of friends mm-hmm. mostly because uh, she still has her heart with John. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do get the reveal of uh, because I think they have another fight, and this is when the IRS guy is able to get John and he's able yeah. to like serve him the summons or whatever. He's like, "Come with me." And then, yeah, we have like it's the reveal. Okay, like he's downtrodden, like he's been had. He's not gonna be able mm-hmm. to like get away from it for much longer. And that's the real like, at least originally, that's like. Kind of like the darkest moment of the film, like mm-hmm. the darkest moment in the screenplay of like, okay, like, the, like all hope is lost for our quote unquote main. I feel like John's the main character. We see him first. We kind of are attached to him first. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the protagonist, at least in my mind. Like, oh, this is like the darkest moment for the character. Not quite. We'll get to there. But uh, yeah, he's kind of he's broken up with his love, mm-hmm. and we have uh, he's now going to seemingly lose all his possessions. And yeah, it just sucks. Yeah. But we do also get the news that like things are still going well. Like within this sequence, within like a couple of scenes of this, we have like Jacob's been elected mayor. Mm-hmm. Like, like which is a it's it's in the, it's a very small town, but still like oh like yeah this this uh, the upstanding member of the of this ensemble has been elected mayor. Uh, Max is still trying to woo Ariel. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we uh, we have like the Christmas reveal of uh, on Christmas Day where like John like congratulates Jacob. He's mm-hmm. like, oh congrats on getting like things. Like, oh it's kind of old news. Oh well, I haven't seen you. I I, I still want to tell you. He's like, oh thank you. And he's like hey actually Melanie's coming over later at mm-hmm. nine. You should come over. And it's such a sweet moment between these because like everybody just wants good from Melanie and mm-hmm. they're like listen 
We know, and Melanie even um, like states it earlier in the film when she sees Jacob, like, I know you used to spy on me when mm-hmm. uh, we were in high school. And he was like, what? And he was like, my curtains were open for a reason. He was like, I just thought I was lucky. And it's like, oh, this is super Yeah, cute. so they've always had like a little secret. Yeah, they've, like, they've, had, a, they've had a crush. And, uh, and so he's like, hey, you should, you should come by mm-hmm. like and, and talk to her on Christmas. Like, come wish us a Merry Christmas and, and see And what her. happens? Her husband ruins everything. Yeah, Mike's I back. I hate it. I and hate also, it whenever I'm trying to like court a new boyfriend and yeah, then my husband gets in the yeah, way and like, i do love that christopher mcdonald plays the, if you don't know christopher mcdonald you probably know him from asshole ha- yeah from happy gilmore he plays the asshole golfer and he just he has a face of like a villainous teacher which yeah. is like the worst kind of because it's like yeah it's like it's super punchable but you know if you punch him you're gonna get go like have like mm-hmm. mass amounts of problems but yeah and he just plays like he's obviously like a drunk and John reacts very poorly. Oh, he's like pissed off that that the husband's back. I thought you were getting divorced because to him he's seeing the mistakes of his past, mm-hmm. and he actually repeats to Melanie what Ariel told him: like, like life's too short. You're gonna regret the thing, like the risks you don't take. Mm-hmm. And he's pretty much just outright just like, go with Jacob. Like yeah, you love him. Like I know Jacob. you'll love him. Uh, Jacob's gonna take care of you. This dude's yeah. an asshole. He's a He's a drunk. He's a drunk. Yeah. And then, like, I will say there's this great moment between the two of them, between Mike and John, where he's like, oh, I need a beer. Like, of course you do. And he goes into the kitchen. He's like, grab me one, too. Fuck. <laughs> and then he comes back in after they've had, like, a, a heated exchange. He's like, I hate to be the guy, but where's the bottle opener? <laughs> and it's such a sweet. He's like, I'm going to go down to Slippery's or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And, and then John decides, I'm going to go down to the bar. Jacob comes over with a piece of broccoli. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I didn't have mistletoe and like hangs it above and they share a kiss on the cheek. And then Mike walks in. And he's like, oh, hi, Mike. I got yeah. one for you, too. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, it's so good. I, I want that to not have been written. God, that Pollock awkward just to moment say that. when your boyfriend comes over while you're while you're with your husband and your kids on, on Christmas, Christmas. Oh. ruins everything. Damn it, Mike. <laughs> so good. And then Jacob, like, he's kind of disheartened. But then he's kind of like, oh, well, like, I saw John run out. And she's like, do you want me? he's like, do you want me to go after me? He's like, no. But can you go talk to your dad and mm-hmm. see if, like, he can help? Like, something's up here. Like, they know each other. They care for each other. But uh, so then he goes and talks to his dad. And also there's a really good line that Walter Matthau's character, Max, says where he's like, you got to go talk to me. He goes, my door's open. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that is kind of like if these people would have just had an open line of communication this entire time, they could have squashed this beef years ago. Mm-hmm. But they're men so they don't <laughs> uh, and this is this movie is literally boys will be boys yeah and it like but then he does convince him like hey like go like go to slippers go talk to him and we, there's this very sweet moment where i love this is where this is where I'll, I'll, I'll geek out on cinematography here because mm-hmm. this is like the one moment in the film where i was like oh this is really well done where we have the shot it's kind of a telephoto shot like a longer lens of uh john at the very end of the bar kind of downtrodden drinking his beer but we can see the entrance and like the the bar like the bar top, and we see Max come in, and they kind of share their like moron dickhead, and then mm-hmm. Max comes and sits down right next to John, and John's kind of like off put by it because they apparently haven't been speaking since their little uh, fight on the ice, mm-hmm. and then like he th- he thanks him for the fishing pole, and he's like, "That's not what this is about. What is it about then?" And John's like, "Do you love her?" and Max is like, what? And John's like, do you love her? And he's like, you're an idiot. You don't understand all these things. And then we have uh, 
after the seemingly failed like attempt at well just a valiant attempt by Max. Again, these guys are they're, they're men. Mm-hmm. Like again, he's not yeah, fully does, like doesn't like I forget what they say before uh, I'm not John storms out the door. Yeah, there's something along the lines of uh again, he's trying to get him to say like cuz the heat of it is over Ariel. Mm-hmm. But Max doesn't really seem to understand that and then Max like comes back and he's like she throws me, she shows me. Mm-hmm. And he's sort of putting this idea of it's like, "Oh, Max doesn't really love Ariel, at least to the extent he just wants to like win to get that one up on yeah. John because of the seemingly stealing of the uh, of the childhood sweet of the like, high school childhood mm-hmm. sweetheart. And then we have John storming home, and then he has a heart attack. Yeah, and uh, Max is Max is there. Max yeah, is- Max is the one who finds him, and also it's a really it's a really sweet moment too mm-hmm. where. Max always calls him by the last name, mm-hmm. but when he finds him, he goes John. John, yeah, yeah. and, and so it's it goes, like it's yeah. a very it's a very serious and moment. Because um, like we have this moment, and this this got me. This got me because I unfortunately both my grandfathers have passed away. Mm-hmm. They were both born on Christmas, <laughs> and they both had very similar personalities. <laughs> and they both and Walter Matthau always reminded me of my grandpa Ford mm-hmm. and my grandpa Barnett, my papa Don. And um, whenever uh, he's over there helping John and he's mm-hmm. you hear these people singing Christmas carols and yeah. he's banging on the door. It's like, hey, we need help. Mm-hmm. Hey, we need help. No one answers. Yeah. Hey, we need help. Mm-hmm. We need help. Uh, he actually had to get, you know, really cause a ruckus and try mm-hmm. to get people to come out. Yeah. And then we cut to the hospital scene where we have um, yeah, Max is in like Max's, the lobby and he's trying to get someone's attention. He's like, mm-hmm. ma'am, Mr. John Gufferson. And this yeah. nurse seems very annoyed mm-hmm. with this grouchy looking old man mm-hmm. trying to ask her questions. And she's like, are you family or friend? He's yeah. like, what are mm-hmm. you family or friend? She's mm-hmm. very like, she's very much annoyed. Yeah. And he's like, I- I- I'm friend. Mm-hmm. I'm a friend. That's the first time. Yeah, and actually... it takes like a long time for him to get there. Like, he has yeah. like the realization. And what got me about those two scenes following each other is, again, this idea of as you get older, mm-hmm. society tends to, especially like with, I wouldn't say like if it's not so much like men or women, but like as you get older, yeah, like society kind of like, okay, well, you've served your purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So you're. it's not like a cause of concern. And there's like a sense of isolation and loneliness mm. as you get more older and you are very vulnerable to the world. Mm-hmm. And so you have that vulnerability where he's trying to help his friend, but nobody is listening. Yeah. And then whenever he's in the hospital, everyone is annoyed with him because mm-hmm. he's just like this old, confused man, yeah. like almost very much like a like a sense of a. I don't want to say prejudice, but like a sense of like, ugh, like yeah, no, he, it, oh, it's just another it, it, damn old man. That. Yeah, it is kind of yeah. it is kind of ageist in a way. Yeah, and it's yeah. very much like, um, okay, like let's just cast you aside. Like mm-hmm. you're somebody, you know, you're not my problem anymore. Yeah, like you got like uh, you got like five years left. And it like yeah, like kind of mm-hmm. like hurt me. It's like oh, but these are still people. Yeah, and I think that's what, that goes into like the heart of this screenplay and the story deep down. And like again, it's kind of what Chuck says in his like last little monologue. Before he dies, in that he's like, "Oh, I was reminded of like who I am, like mm-hmm. like the man I am," and it's this idea of like, especially in American society, probably in most Western societies, but just Japan has a very different feel mm-hmm. for uh, the elders are respected. Mm-hmm. Again, American society—it probably goes back to capitalism. We won't get too hard into this uh, mm-hmm. around this one, <laughs> but no, it is like like you said, like the the elderly 
they've worked, they've mm-hmm. retired, they've quote unquote done their deed for society. They've 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 had children, they've raised the children. They're well past the age of like usefulness, quote unquote, mm-hmm. like perceived usefulness. But yeah, they are still people. And yeah, like, yeah we we've seen like they just had these routines, but yeah, they Chuck even said he's like he's like a new man. Mm-hmm. And then he dies, which then hammers home the point of like, like he got that final experience before he passed. Whereas mm-hmm. if the if like without him passing, without him showing the other two how to live, like just by going on that date with Ariel, they never reconcile. They mm-hmm. never get to that point, even though it's through very intense vitriol near the end. But they never get to that point mm-hmm. of like reconciliation with themselves. And yeah, it's a very powerful little moment in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really a testament to how much you can do with very little dialogue and just a powerful performance. Like Walter Matthau really knocks it out of the park with both. Like it's a complete departure he, from the rest of the character. He tugged on my heartstrings oh, yeah. the whole time. Like mm-hmm. I love Jack Lemmon. Mm-hmm. Quick-witted, mm-hmm. great timing, very sharp at that mm-hmm. age. Even in the blooper reels, how they yeah. were going at it. Mm-hmm. Um, which in the blooper reels, I love that. Walter Matthau goes up to Ariel's door in the bloopers and goes, hello, I'm uh, Ronald Reagan. Yeah. I just moved in next door. I used, to, I used to be president and I used to be in the movies. I used to be in the pictures. Because Walter sounds and looks exactly yeah. like Reagan. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was so, it was so cute to see that mm. little Reagan impression. Yeah. Um, but there's, uh, there's so much like fun, like little gags. And, um, but yeah, like the hospital scene and the scene of him helping his friend and then admitting yeah. that they are friends. Yeah. That got me. And then we have like this touching moment where they're together in the hospital bed mm-hmm. and it's like, wow, my friend, he's he's the one that yeah. showed up. Yeah. And I think we had the moment too where he's like, Merry Christmas, dickhead, like something like that, yeah. where it's like, it's very sweet. And like, it is like, oh yeah, this was, at least in his mind, at least for a long time, like sort of playful because mm-hmm. he is a more like playful type. And then, but nothing we, is ever mean spirited, even yeah, even when you're pushing your friend's yeah. eye shack into thin eyes <laughs> and then punching him in the face. Second degree murder. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, then we get into the uh, like, well, Max, the, seemingly the next day, Max knocks on Ariel's like door and he looks very distraught. And he's like, like can I, puppy. yeah, can yeah. I come in? And then the next scene we see is. So, Ariel at the hospital. Yeah, and so um, Ariel's at the hospital, and then we have, like, a moment there, and then we cut into this very interesting scene. They baited us so fucking hard. Oh, we're not there yet. Oh, we're not there yet? We're okay. not there yet. We're not there yet. We're in, uh, this is, like, she goes to see John. Mm-hmm. They, uh... Oh, that's right. We have like yeah. a whole thing. Yeah, that. we got like okay. 20 minutes left. Yeah, <laughs> they uh No, it, it is, it, it's, it's weirdly placed, but... So we have, like, they reconcile, mm-hmm. uh, and John's still, like, not great. Mm-hmm. He's, like, very weak still. He had a pretty massive heart attack, it seems like. And uh, Max is then the one who is attempting to, like, resolve John's debts. And we get the reveal of, like, the agent, Agent Snyder, who's just, like, kind of a cockhole. Uh, and we get the reveal that because he was a teacher, he received, like, union, like, insurance but because of his ex-wife not reporting, like John didn't report, seemingly didn't report that his ex-wife had a job, part-time job that he didn't know about. Mm. Uh, and that, so he owed like union dues, mm-hmm. like owed union insurance back or something of the sort. So he owed like 13000 in like back taxes mm-hmm. to uh, the IRS. And then Max like, oh, we can scare that up. 
Mm-hmm. And then he's like, well, also the interest and all the fees, mm-hmm. it comes to like 53. And he's like, we can't screw, screw yeah. that up. Uh, and mind you, John's in the hospital and they're just going yeah. through and his house. And he even says that. He's like, they're packing up his stuff to move it out. And, and uh, Max, he's like, you can die in days. That's not my business. And then when he says, like, well, we can't scare like the 57000 the insane amount of money that's owed. Mm-hmm. Fucking taxes, like an IRS can eat a dick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we have the the moment where the sort of like the, the snooty little agent says, He's like, well, well, he'll scare it up when we sell his house, and it's like, oh, and that's when Max is like, okay, I'm pissed off now. Yeah, and, and like, Max, <laughs> as they leave, we see him like, kind of like, he's like, kind of messing with some wood, and he kind of like leaves and he walks out front, and that's when like Jacob and Ariel show up, mm-hmm. and uh, as the the movers show up, we turn and see the door, and it's fully barricaded. Yeah, he barricades <laughs> yeah. the door. He like. <laughs> And then my favorite thing is like, hey Snyder, won't you do the world a favor and uh, yeah. put your put like put your yeah. lip over your head and yeah. swallow yourself? Yeah. Like <laughs> it's so good. Uh, and so he barricades the house, preventing them to come in. And then and Jacob then, mm-hmm. shows up, who uh, we remember is the mayor, and he's like, this is a thirty day like cease and desist, like you mm-hmm. cannot seize the property for at least thirty days. And uh, then we have. John, we have the fun moment of like uh, Max being like, no, because he we see he did the thing that John attempted to do, which was cause like the snow to fall, and he's like, get out of it, you're not, and then he's like, oh, got it, dead, uh, and then the snow like buries the IRS agent, but which is just a great little scene, and then that's when we get this. The next cut is like there's a passage of time. Oh, don't they always also like put like a fish? In the agent's yeah, car. Yeah, as his back that, That's like the thing in this yeah, movie. Like whenever yeah. you don't like someone, you just put a fish in their car. Yeah, that's the like the, the, the sort of mainstay joke because it happened so many times. Uh, but we have uh, seemingly it's like springtime now. Mm-hmm. And it's we see like the church and we see like all the cars lined up. Mm-hmm. And we see Jacob and Melanie. And all black. And all black, like really all black. And they have like a nice little exchange. And it is kind of funny where like, it's revealed that like she's divorced. He's like, well, how are you? She's like, I'm good. I already said I'm good. Mm-hmm. And you see like them see, like, they're, you can see they're flirting with each other. It's and like, like, no, you look really good. Yeah. And yeah. almost like kind of like high schooly ways. Like, you know, you're very and pretty. This, like, is, really this pretty. is the part where I say we get baited because it, it looks like it, it, it all, it appears to be a funeral. Yeah. And, they, and we get I the thought condolences. John had died. I was yeah. Like, we get the condolences the even like, yeah. let me know if you need anything like for your dad. And it's like, fuck. And then as Jacob enters, he takes, takes off, off the, the trench coat, coat into a tuxedo. Yeah, and you're like, motherfucker. Uh, and then we see Max mm-hmm. dressed up, and then we see John. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, John's getting married. We Max is the best man. Yeah. And then Jacob's there, too. And then we see the reveal of Ariel being walked down the aisle. By with, John's dad. By John's father. Mm-hmm. And it's such a sweet and moment. And she wears peach and not white, which I thought yeah. was really pretty on her. Yeah, very pretty. Um, but yeah, so like, it's like, oh my God. Of I course thought, she wears peach. She's the manic pixie dream girl. She didn't right? get wear, married in oh white. Oh my gosh, manic pixie dream gilf. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and so we have like this really sweet touching moment. Mm-hmm. And um, they ended up like, you know, as they're like, they're like leaving, mm-hmm. uh, you know, John's dad, of course, has to give the bride a very long kiss. Uh-huh. A very long, passionate yeah. kiss. Goodbye. Very long. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, Max is like, we, we went ahead and we settled the score, paid everything yeah, off. Yeah, Don't he, get too happy. It's just a loan. Yeah, he reveals yeah. that uh, Jacob was able to talk to the IRS and get all the interest and uh, like fees removed. Mm-hmm. 
And then Max says, and I paid off the 13000 And it's like, fuck you guys. And he comes in with, it's a loan. <laughs> but it's such a sweet moment. And then they're driving away in this beautiful limousine. Yeah. And they're like, they're having a very nice makeout session. Yes, they are. And then and they also- realize something stinks in the car. Yeah. And what is it? A fucking fish. <laughs> yeah, he puts a fish out the window and you see Max like laughing and then they yeah. drive off. And then we have like the blooper reel commence where we mm-hmm. see. Uh, well, that wasn't there like a cute like little scene with like the, the son and the dad and like the son's like, what is it going to be to dad today? Tonight, dad, you know, what, what are we going to listen to? Yes. And uh, his dad's like, I'm actually going to go see the ladies yeah. over at the dub. What is it? The VFW, the, the VFW. veterans uh, like hall. Yeah. And and yeah, it's and then we have Jacob kind of uh, like waltz over. He like he's looking at the window of what uh, Max and uh John would do was they mm-hmm. kind of look at each other through the window, uh, almost as if they wanted each other's company but didn't want to talk to each other, mm-hmm. which is very sweet and also. And that kind of does parallel with thing. their kids because yeah. they had the same. And then the, mm-hmm. we see him like kind of looking at uh, Melanie in the kitchen, and then Melanie looks up and sees him, and he like turns on the light, and they're both very playful. And she's like, "Come over here," and he's like, and we see him, like running through the snow, and then it kind of implies like, "Oh, they're going to, they're going to get together as yeah. well." And, and that it is, is, is so kind of cute because it does parallel like the relationship that their father had. Like they always like wanted to be friends and wanted to reach out to yeah. each other, but their pride got in the way. Mm-hmm. And that is very similar to like their children. The children yeah. were always infatuated with one another. Yeah. And it seems like the children more so were way more willing, mm-hmm. but they it was like circumstance prevented them. Where it seems like these men's pride and uh, just unwillingness to change or to like accept each other is what prevented them so long from uh, like really expressing mm-hmm. their friendship. But yeah, super sweet moment to Yeah, end and it. then of course the blooper reel just immediately comes so in. So good. Great. That yeah. was great. Like there was so many like um so many takes of different one liners the dad did. Oh yeah, they just kept running through them. Kept em. running through them. And this and this um oh what was his name? Burgess. Yeah, Burgess Meredith. Burgess Meredith uh was all, they also did a sequel mm-hmm. and Burgess Meredith was in it and like you mm-hmm. stated before the recording yeah. That he was suffering through Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. and he yeah. was he was able to do the first film, but he needed help because he would. Yeah, get he had confused. to be coached through the second one. We which had is to be that, coached, yeah, because he's easily one of my favorite actors of all time. Burgess mm-hmm. Meredith will be if we inevitably do our Twilight Zone little mm-hmm. episodes. He was a mainstay on those. Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't, if you're listening to him and you don't know him, you probably know him because he plays the manager in Rocky. He plays Rocky's trainer, which is probably mm-hmm. his most well-known role, but. Burgess Meredith is a powerhouse of a character actor mm-hmm. and does everything from drama to a film like this comedy very and well. And even though he was suffering with Alzheimer's, or at least like yeah. the beginning stages mm-hmm. of it, he was able to deliver these quick witted one liners. Yeah, these are like you know, obviously improvised too. Like mm-hmm. they hit like several oh, different Oh, whenever takes like of it. uh they're at the um the ice rink and he finds like the little uh run rose like, How you doing, Dad? Well, it's cold as it's colder than a witch's tit <laughs> and I'm out of fucking beer. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so good again he this movie does very well with its supporting cast because mm-hmm. the way to make at least in my opinion the way to make supporting characters work is you have to make them memorable mm-hmm. and the Melanie the daughter Jacob the son and uh, Chuck and the grandfather probably have less than like 15 minutes of total screen time but you remember them but you remember them because they're so well developed, fleshed out, and they provide each provide a different level of like brevity or different things. Like Melanie is sort of like she represents John's ideals. Mm-hmm. Max represents all of their ideals. He's like 
or not Max, Jacob represents like all like Max's ideals and like everybody's ideals. Really, he's like very straight laced. He's like very good for the community, a public servant. He like wants to help. Uh, and Chuck represents like he's the one that kind of brings them together because they mm -hmm. have to keep knowing each other so much or they go to the same bait shop. And Sherman's friend, but he also represents like you guys are idiots. Like, yeah, why are like you guys he, he's not? He's like the voice of reason. Yeah, why are you guys not doing this? He's like, yeah, like expose yourself, get out there. He's like, this mm -hmm. is. I'm a new man now. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just such a well put together cast. And I don't know, like everything about it just sort of works out. Again, we don't have that many characters either. We have mm -hmm. like maybe eight characters we follow throughout the movie, which again, if you're an aspiring filmmaker or a filmmaker listening, you don't need overarching ideals. This is a very simple story mm -hmm. that's just told effectively. And we latch onto it because it's, it's a very nice. And it was it was well budgeted, yeah, and it even movie. doubled its own budget. And yeah. one liners are great. And I love um, I love the fact that like everything like everything is like you said it's done it's filmmaking done effectively. Like everything mm -hmm. is uh, straightforward. Everything is characters are really well flushed out. Mm -hmm. Like it's just the script was great. This mm -hmm. was great. And um, you uh, you did some like little research on the writer. And he ended up doing yeah. a lot of very interesting movies. Yeah, so the writer actually seemingly made this movie probably around the age. He wrote about the age of like 28 uh, while he was in film school or at least in college. Uh, his name is Mark Steven Johnson. And if we take a look at his IMDb here, uh, it's very interesting. He hasn't worked a lot, but he's worked a decent amount. So he's from Minnesota. And he uh, got his career started by writing uh, Grumpy Old Men. And then he actually... Uh, he also wrote Grumpier Old Men. He also very wrote... Very clever title. Yeah, very clever. I like it. Because instead of Grumpy Old Men too, it's Grumpier Old Men, which is nice. And it's like set in Florida. Yeah. Odd. But mm -hmm. hey, you got to make it work. Uh, then he actually wrote... This is a movie I kind of want to talk about because it's a childhood movie of mine. Maybe at some point, but Jack Frost. Mm -hmm. Michael Keaton becoming a snowman. Mm -hmm. It sounds weird on paper. It is weird in actuality it's not necessarily a good movie i remember having it on vhs i did too <laughs> it had the the really big case that had like the white yes. edges yeah uh it's a but again it's a movie like this where the actors alone you're like how is this movie so watchable? oh michael keaton's a genius like mm -hmm. a powerhouse of his craft but yeah he he wrote the screenplay for that then he uh at least some of his bigger ones, he uh, wrote the screenplay and the uh, he did the direction for Daredevil and Ghost Rider, which is a big departure. And then probably the uh, the most recent thing he's done that might have been seen by people or heard by people was he did the uh, he wrote the movie Christopher Robin, mm -hmm. which came out in 2018, which I think which had I that Ewan makes McGregor. more sense to me since like after watching this film that he would do like another. Yeah. But like Ghost Rider and Daredevil, that's It's very odd. I love Ghost Rider though. Yeah, Ghost Rider's fun. I love Nick Cage. Yeah, Nick Cage is a wild man. I want to do him. like a whole we should just do a whole month dedicated to Nick Cage. Honestly, that's a possibility. Because you can't get more We both love Nick Nicholas Cage. Aggressively. Is a, he's a bicon. Yeah, okay. He is he's a bicon. He's an insane he man has and a, I love him. He has a baby pink uh leather jacket with the Superman logo and then the bi flag on it. Yeah. Again, I mean King. he's love he's it. he's <laughs> He's a short kings. He's just a god among men, uh, but <laughs> right. yeah, no, uh, yeah, but a very interesting, a very interesting, uh, like film, like a very interesting, like setup around it all. Again, a movie that can only be made 
it's sort of like a a very select time because without Walter Matthau and uh, without Walter Matthau, Burgess Meredith, Jack Lemmon, and Margaret, this movie can't be made. This no. movie is like very much a product of its. Also, how did a film student from Minnesota get a hold of like some of Hollywood's biggest stars? At least back in the forties yeah. and fifties, they were well, like the I, biggest. Well, my I'm guess sorry, would be he. Uh, my guess would be like he wrote it with like the idea of like, hey, this should be like played by these characters, and it got picked up like optioned mm-hmm. by a studio, and then because we had who was the studio that made Warner this? Brothers? Yeah, so or well, so it was distributed by Warner Brothers, but they oh. they so seemingly probably Warner Brothers also. Uh, did the uh, like the producing of it mm-hmm. and we did have so not like a super well-known director and i believe his name is donald petrie mm-hmm. uh, but like a decent amount of movies pretty much my guess is he they it got option oh he did mystic pizza how yeah. to lose a guy in 10 days mm-hmm. welcome to Mooseport. <laughs> yeah so like so he's, uh, he's done a lot. Yeah, he, he's, he's had a selection of films that have performed relatively well mm-hmm. uh, and, and are pretty good movies. But my guess is they, they optioned it and then they thought, well, we're not going to spend that much money making this movie. They only spent $35 million, which is probably a lot on just mm-hmm. getting all of those like well-known actors. This is a, a pretty like studded list, like star-studded list of actors. I mean, mm-hmm. we have Jack Lemmon, Walter Matthau, Anne Margaret, Burgess Meredith, Daryl Hannah, Kevin Pollock, and those are just our first like our main characters. Yeah. And these are all people who are like very, at least like with the younger talent. Like again, you have a lot of people here who are uh, like very talented. Like, th- that's where a lot of the budget's going to be. But yeah, again, a movie that was made very effectively, marketed as like a holiday film, mm-hmm. and. Again, probably was not expected to make that much money. Like, its weekend gross was like a little under four million, but mm-hmm. it ended up grossing a domestic total of seventy million, which is that's very double. well done. Yeah, that's yeah, very well done for a movie uh, such as this. Which is again, it's a, it's a short holiday piece. A lot of the, mm-hmm. my feeling with a lot of holiday movies, and this is like what's happening now with streaming too, mm-hmm. where. Listen, it's the holidays. We're always like in. We're snuggled up with loved ones, drinking mm-hmm. hot cocoa, eating away our feelings, and we want to watch movies. Like we mm-hmm. want to watch. So I feel like it's my the place for holiday movies to be in this mm-hmm. realm of sort of oh, like just like niceness and like loving, and you want to feel like a little bit bad, but mm-hmm. then it gets resolved and you feel better than you first started. And I feel like streaming is where that's taking place now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not as good because they don't put a lot of care into it. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm wrong. Sometimes there is a lot of care put in this. There was uh, that holiday movie last year that had uh, Kristen Stewart in it. That it was the uh, sort of like lesbian rom-com. Oh, yeah, Where she comes yeah, back home. Yeah. That one surprised mm-hmm. me. It uh, it actually did really well. But again, it, you have to... It's a rarity for holiday. Holiday movies get their place in mm-hmm. like the zeitgeist because of they're so ingrained like mm-hmm. we, we've spoken about it before where it's like if you're a family you're gonna have like one to two movies you watch like so much throughout the holiday season yes. where it's like you can't turn them on you can't even think about them in any other month besides like november december and january because yeah like every, i feel like every family every has year. like that one movie mm-hmm. that they watch for every holiday yeah. like you know my family mm-hmm. we're holiday people so like yeah. we have our certain um you know we have like our fourth of july movie yeah which is godfather uh mm-hmm. we have um the 
the Twilight Zone marathon for yeah, New uh, Year's. for New Year's. Mm-hmm. We have like, and we're I I also like uh, at least like with our generation, we grew up in front of TV. Yeah, and so like a lot of these holiday movies were played constantly on mm-hmm. TV. Yeah, we were even talking about this with with a, a Christmas story where it's like, even if you never like actually sat down to like intentionally mm-hmm. watch the film. You've been at your like grandparents' house on Christmas, and inevitably it was going to end up on the TV at some right. point, or any of these innumerable uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. You mm-hmm. have uh, It's a Wonderful Life. It's Christmas a Wonderful Vacation. Life has like I love It's a Wonderful mm-hmm. Life, but I also get really tired if It's a Wonderful no, Life. No, it, it's the thing with holiday films, which is where it's like this is also where I think when we we talk about holiday movies, comedies are the ones we think about the most because mm-hmm. It's a Wonderful Life is so fucking serious. It's, it's draining. It's tragic. It's, it's depressing. Dra- it's so depressing. It's about suicide. Yeah, it is where, literally about yeah, suicide. Whereas <laughs> when we get like movies like this, we have like we tell somebody like name a Christmas movie, they'll be like, oh, oh, Christmas Story, Christmas Vacation, Elf. We have all these then, different movies that are all comedies. And then of course you have comedies. like your weird ones, like your like Gremlins or yeah. Die Hard, which yeah, Die Hard is my Valentine's Day movie. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a romantic. It's a romantic yeah. film. It is. He he's gonna save. Like his he's life. not going to save the hot. He doesn't give yeah. a shit about. Yeah, no. John McClane did not My care about wife. those hostages. He yeah. cared about his wife, and then she mm-hmm. divorced him. Yeah, that's how bad of. <laughs> that's how you know you fucked up as a husband. Yeah, <laughs> he walked through broken broken glass. Mm-hmm. Still lost his wife. Yeah, I murdered Snape. <laughs> yeah, he pushed a man off a fucking yeah. building. Uh, but yeah, I I think it, it does enter that place of uh. Yeah, I feel like comedies more so become mm-hmm. the sort of the mainstays of holiday films because deep down you want to feel good during the holidays and a movie like it's a wonderful life while being a classic can be so emotionally draining like when i think of it's a wonderful life i think of the scene in christmas vacation where rusty is watching it's a wonderful life and he looks like he's about to dissolve <laughs> he's just staring at the tv like yeah i could die and he's like 13, and he's like, I could die. Uh, but it's just like, again, the comedy holiday movies to me are like the sweet spot. Yeah. Especially a movie like this. Grumpy Old Men hits a nice uh, a nice sort of balance between being a nice little like character study piece while also being a feel-good comedy that comes from like a tragic moment. Mm-hmm. And it really works. It really, like, because after you watch it, it's so short. And mm-hmm. so, like, well-paced, you're just like, ah, oh. it's like a breath of fresh air. You're like, oh, yeah. now I can go about my day. Even having, like, the bloopers end it, you're like, ah, oh, it felt nice and good. And it's, not, and it's not to the point where it's Hallmarky. Exactly. It doesn't go into Hallmark territory. It doesn't, It doesn't like, forcefully pull your heartstrings. It pulls them in a natural way, mm-hmm. which is good. It, it doesn't use, like, a lot of, like, classical, like, comedy tropes or, like, tropes... Like uh, and even like, said, like the like the, the stunts or like the practical jokes, like that is all very realistic. Mm-hmm. Like I have seen two old men fight, and I would one hundred percent see one oh, yeah. of them pushing an ice mm-hmm. shack over into the thing. Yeah, yeah. No, like the moments of uh, the moments of insanity in the film are still well played, and we're able to like move away from them very quickly. And Anne Margaret's character for a manic pixie dream. Gilf, I can't mm-hmm. want to say MILF, but she's a Gilf. Um, like her running out of the sauna into the snow, like that's weird, right? That's quirky. Yeah. I used to do that as a kid, like mm-hmm. on winter nights, like when uh, I would sit in like the hot tub mm-hmm. and then I would jump out of the hot tub and jump into the uh, the cold freezing mm-hmm. water. Yeah, and I was like, I would one hundred percent be no, doing it, that it, stuff. It, it so it ties not into too, that too weird idea of yeah, like these are 
I like the idea that it's, oh, this, I don't know how I missed this entire film. Of Yeah, it's like we never really grow up. We just no. sort of like put on a face yeah. for a long time. Like Max's character is like a 10-year-old mm-hmm. in an old man's body. And Margaret's character is very much like a child. Like she At does heart, very yeah. childlike things. She creates art. She like and wants even to John, find like, like the nice things. John, like we have like a, a really nice tender moment of like uh, John picking up his grandbaby. And he's like, yeah. there's my little girl. I'm going to give her yeah. some C-A and D-Y. And yeah. he's playing like little like, yeah. oh, is it in this hand? Is it in this hand? Yeah. And it's very touching because- mm-hmm. You know, he's a good dad. Like, you know, he's a yeah, good no, grandpa. He's a, like, they, they both love their families. Mm-hmm. And they both love each other's families, too, which is mm-hmm. weird. Because it's like, oh, they hate each other. But they're like, oh, I love Melanie. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. I love Jacob. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's it's a very touching film. Yeah. and uh, Oh, my gosh. I just, yeah, I, I love it. I really, I'm trying to think of, like, a good way to end on this. Because we at, we're at our hour mark. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think I think it's great. Um Again, I would have never sat and watched this movie, but I uh, my family had it playing on the uh, mm-hmm. after we put up the Christmas tree. They turned it on, and I'm like, "Oh, this is great! Like, we need to talk about this." Mm-hmm. And then watching it again, you know, I was kind of hesitant, but overall, like, for for somebody's like first film to write in like film school, this is yeah. great. This is very solid writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like any film student can like take like a note or two from this. Mm-hmm. Any writer could take anything from this. Um, it's sweet, simple to the point, and it just gets the job done. And I think it's a perfect like Thanksgiving movie, which mm-hmm. this will be aired on Thanksgiving. So, happy Thanksgiving! If you don't celebrate Thanksgiving, you know, happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Mm-hmm. If you don't celebrate that, and you're just there for the food, uh, enjoy your dinner. Happy I'm full Thursday. Happy I'm full going Thursday. Going into go get some go get some cheap shit. Go get some deals. Yeah, like uh, really. <laughs> go go celebrate American consumerism. Yeah, have fun with that. Um, Good luck with your families. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know, whenever y'all get to that point of talking about politics and COVID and all this other stuff, maybe go and watch this movie. Yeah, watch. Have <laughs> some holiday brevity. Yeah. Like after some... after if you if you don't watch football or you're watching football, go. If you if you want to have a fun moment, if you still have your grandfather or anyone like that, your grandmother who is like a big football fan, sit and watch the holiday game with them. It's always a fun time. Yeah. It's always a fun time. And then and then yeah, eat eat, eat your pumpkin pie. Go to your pie, friend's house. <laughs> and then yeah, watch watch a nice holiday. Or you can do my favorite holiday pastime and go into the Target parking lot and park your car and cry a little bit. <laughs> and then you go in and you buy the tissues for half off. <laughs> half off. Yeah, but um. Yeah, I love this. And I again, I like what you have to say about like this. We're all young at heart. Mm-hmm. And again, this has like the Golden Girls effect where it's like, yes, these are older people. Mm-hmm. And typically like we we tend to separate ourselves into like different stages in life. Yeah. And we act like, you know, like, you know, like, oh, well, you're 30. Mm-hmm. You know, you're 30. Your life is, you know, like you have like a certain, you know, like you're 30. You there's can't really expect- relate. Yeah, there's expectations. There's like expectations for like 30. There's expectations yeah. for your teens. You know, there's expectations like whenever you, you, you know, you kind of outlived your purpose yeah. in this capitalistic society. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like we can still connect. Like this mm-hmm. movie, this movie was made in 1993. Everyone in this movie was like a war vet. Yeah. You know, they were in like World War Two or the Korean mm-hmm. War or mm-hmm. Vietnam or anything like that. Um Totally, like, me, like, growing up in our generation, I would have realistically no connection mm-hmm. to this. But at the end of the day, there, I I was able to feel connected to this group of people. Yeah. Because of, like, all their, like, little shenanigans. And I love that. And I feel like that's what made it such a big hit. Um, but, yeah, uh, happy whatever the hell. Happy mm. holidays. Yeah. <laughs> um, go, get some, go get some pumpkin pie. Uh, make drink some eggnog. Um, I can't wait to do the rest of our Christmas list because it's just going to be 
uphill from here. Yeah, it's going to be a fun, fun holiday season. Yeah, do you have anything that you would like to add to or end on? Uh, give us money, please. If you, <laughs> if you like the pod, I'm joking mostly, but if you like the podcast, go ahead and uh, give it a share. Mm-hmm. Tell people about it. Yeah, and if let you, us know too. Like, reach out to us. We'd love to uh, talk to y'all if y'all if y'all wanna. Yeah, please reach out to us. Uh, I'm gonna be trying to double down on social media stuff. Social media has gotten harder mm-hmm. to manage. Uh, please go look for our Patreon because, <laughs> like, we really need it. We need to boost up those numbers, and we are taking in uh, guest hosts, even yeah. like remote. If you have mm-hmm. a webcam and if you have a mic, please get in touch with us. We'll be able to do it all from our studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if you would like to come on the cast, please reach out. Let us know. Like, we love you guys. want to hear from you guys. want to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Thank you all so much. Yeah. And I hope you all go and go go give Grumpy Old Men a watch. You won't Definitely. regret it. Like, it's, it's available on all streaming services. Um, I think I only spent, like, what, $3? $3, $3 yeah, on like Amazon for, like, a rent. It was great. It was worth it. Um, but, yeah, uh, thank you all so much. And this has been Camp of the Cult. Y'all have a wonderful holiday. Bye. Happy holidays. Bye. 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 B